Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. I'm Nikki Seberini, and today we're going to be talking about such an important topic. You know, Henry Ford said, if you think you can do something, or if you think you can't, you're probably right. We're looking at can, we're looking at can't, we're looking at that mindset, which is a shift in a mindset. And it's not just me talking about it. I have such a hugely inspirational guest who went from can't to can, and his life is soaring and he's achieved so much. I am so delighted to introduce Kolani Luvuno, a cancer warrior, a motivational speaker, um, onto the show today. Kolani, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for inviting so how does it sound, you know, when you hear me talk about you being this shining light and such an example of moving from a can't mindset to a can mindset? Do you see yourself as that person? Uh, you make me, you motivate me. When you, <laughs> oh, I, when you say I motivate you, can't, you. <laughs> you can, if you can, you can. You can. So if I, I tell me I can. I can do it. As I said, no matter everyone that I can, can. I don't have that issue. I can't. Mm. No, most of the people, they say, I, I can't because I have one leg. I can't because it's like this. Yes. Well, that's what I just love. Me. That's what I love about your message, Kolani. So let's go back in time a little bit for our audience. Let's go back in time to you being on the streets. Um, you being uh, addicted to drugs, um, living a very difficult life on the streets, and then discovering you had a lump in your leg. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how you found out that you had cancer. I, I was born in Eastern Cape yes. in, in 1984, 26 September. I'm I'm growing up so nice because I'm growing up with my grandmother. You know, when you grow up with Granny, you grow up so nice. Mm-hmm. I don't have a mother. I grew up with my grandmother and my uncle. Yeah. At the age of 16 years, I start to be noite. I start to smoke dacha, mandrakes. I have uh, two legs on that time. Mm-hmm. At the 2000, at the end of 2000, my grandmother died. I left with my uncle. When I left it, my uncle, I'm noisy too much. I start to rob people, yeah. make noisy stuff. So my uncle, he end up, he, they chase me at home. Sure. They give me protection order. Hmm. After protection order, I'm going to stay on the street at Port Elizabeth. 2003, I rob. I make the house breaking. They found me inside the house and I found the sentence of five years. Yeah. At Port Elizabeth in, in, in Sanal Bans. I stay at Sanal Bans. When I'm out at Sanal Bans, I run at Sanal Bans because I run at uh, Port Elizabeth because we have uh, our fight, gangsterism fight. I end up, I run at East London, maybe 2008. Mm-hmm. When I'm at East London, at Mdanzani, I found a small ball close to my knee. I start to stretching my knee. On that time, I'm staying on the street and I'm smoking too much uh, uh, drugs. But one day I don't feel, I don't feel anything. Everything smells bad. I start to vomiting. You're just sick. I ju- I'm just sick. Right. And I'm already have this big leg. A but big swollen leg. Yes, but sure. uh, last time I don't feel, yeah, I feel the pain. But when I'm high, no pain. Mm. But one day I, I, I don't want even the drug. Guys, they take me to the doctor. Doctor, they say I have a bone cancer. Sure. We're supposed to cut the leg. Sure. 
We cut the leg after we cut the leg. I staying at hospital and eat the chemo. How, how did you? How? I mean, I know that you were in the pro. You were taking drugs at the time, but when they told you we're going to have to amputate your leg, did you realize? Yeah, I hey? just realized. Yeah, it's so difficult. Because I just ask him how how did I found the cancer? So they tell you the cancer. It's a something to smoke or breast cancer or. So now I can't blame myself and my mother. Maybe it's a, me on that time. I'm a young boy. Mm. It's me. I'm mm. just smoking the drugs and uh, everything in early age. So it's me who take this cancer. Yeah. But and then and then you went for treatment. Did you say you had chemotherapy? Yes. Because sure. after that doctor, they cut my leg. They say I'm supposed to go and eat the chemo. And did you have the chemo? Yes. Did I you finish the chemo? Uh, that, that seven months I eat, but hey, it's not <gasps> easy. Not easy. Hey? It's not easy. I no. make that seven months. <laughs> were you still taking drugs while you were on the chemotherapy? There you can't take, because at the hospital, in the side of chemo, they didn't want nothing. You can't get in with drugs, even cigarettes. Yeah. You can't get in. When you get in, in the ward of chemo, the nurses, they make you, they show, they search you. You can, they are, they didn't allow you to smoke there. Cause chemo and cigarette. Of course. You smoke outside when not, you're not there. So, so you had seven months of being clean. You had, you had your leg amputated. You were going through chemotherapy, which made you feel terrible. And you weren't on your drugs. So, so what was going through your mind during that time, Kolani? Yeah, the how, how were you feeling emotionally? Yeah, the problem when you know sometimes you feel shame. You say, "Yeah, now I have one leg." Because the problem is that when the doctor chased me to hospital, they said, "Colan, now we done. You done chemo, everything you done. Just go home now." Oh, you had no way to go. Yeah, I supposed to go back in the street, and in my old friends, they all of the us were smoking drugs. Mm. Mm. So I supposed to start to smoke. Sure. And I feel that was your only option. It felt yeah, like. Yeah. And I feel like I think when my uncle and my grandmother they say go and go to school, but now I don't have a choice. I have one leg. Yeah. And the small boys now they start to kick me too much. Ooh. I found the revenge with the small guys. So you felt like you had no choice in your life. Mm. Here you had to go back to the streets, and that's the only option that you had. Yes. And so you were on the streets when you happened to meet a particular man. So I, you were begging on the streets here in Pretoria or yes, Centurion, right? At Pretoria, yes. Yeah. I ran at Eastern Cape because of I said to you, the young boys, they end up, they kick me. Yeah. At 2010 at this side, this is a World Cup. I go with another street guy. They say, goalie, you know at goalie, everything's at Joburg. Yeah. We end up, we run here 2010. Yeah. It's where I start to stay in Nelson Mandela Drive under the bridge. Uh-huh. I stay there maybe. Six years, seven years. Six, I, seven years. Yes, I oh. stay under that bridge. Oh, wow. It's where 2016, 2016, I meet Mr. Einfender. And what did he say to you when he, when he stopped and he lowered his window? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. He stopped to say, hi, Maniki. I say, even me. I say, hi. He's, we sit down on the pavement. But on that day, maybe give me more than 1,000 because I lied to him. I was never telling him the truth. Uh, me, I, I'm not drunk. I'm not alcohol. And I'm doing nothing. No drugs. Nothing. Cause even him, he asked me, are you smoking? No. I don't smoke. Are you drinking? No. I don't drink. 
Here, what, why are you here? I lie. I have my sister here, but my sister, his husband, they kick him too much. Yeah. So now me, I staying on the street because of that things. I don't want to see my sister. They mm. beat him every day. Mm. But I wish to found the work, but, uh, you know, South Africa, when you have, you don't have a metric, even metric now in South Africa, it's nothing. Mm. Yeah, if you, you don't go at school and me, I run at school early age in standard something. So now I don't have a school, I don't have a qualifications, and I'm tired to staying in the street. Sure. We're going to gonna take a break. We're going to take a break. And yeah. after the break, Hein is actually going to join us as well. Um, and we're going to hear his part of the story and what is it that made him stop and have this conversation with Kolani. Um, what a story. Stay with us. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Thank you for staying with us and uh, Kolani Luvuno, our cancer warrior. And now time to introduce the man who saw beyond the beggar on the street um, and really gave Kolani an incredible chance at life. Hein Fenter. Hein, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nikki. Nice being here. You know, Hein, we are living in South Africa. We are faced with um, the harsh reality of stopping at a traffic light at a stop street and just seeing people who are in a desperate state, people who are homeless, people who have very little, many who are addicted to drugs and there's always that wanting to help and many do help. You have some people who've become so desensitized um, and fear as well. You know, we this is a very dangerous country we live in with high levels of crime. What was it that you, what made you stop on that day and have the word with, with Kolani and see the human being and not just the beggar on the street? I had driven past Zolani twice a day for probably a month or two before I one day decided to stop. He was a regular at the robot mm-hmm. and I would give him money from time to time but, but nothing special. Um, when I saw him I thought he was a boy of about 20 years old. It turned out he was 31. Sure. Um, but having my own children, you know, I knew we, he was the age of, of, of my children almost. Mm. And obviously very vulnerable as he was an amputee on, on crutches. And I just looked at this friendly, young, vulnerable boy and, and knew without knowing what his story was, assumed that he obviously had to fend for himself, didn't have a house, didn't have adults who were protecting him. So one day I just parked my car and walked down to him and, and sat on the pavement for 15, 20 minutes. And I just wanted to hear what his story was. Um, he told me everything that he wanted me to hear, mm. <laughs> um, as opposed to telling me the truth. But I'm actually glad that he didn't tell me the truth, because at the time he was addicted to drugs, but I was not aware of it. Mm. Had I known that he was addicted to drugs, I think I would have just turned my back on him mm. and thought this was too hot to handle. Yeah. And But having spoken to him for 15, 20 minutes and, and heard his story, I I knew I could make a difference in his life. Um I managed the business a couple of kilometers from there and knew I could offer him employment. So I went back to work and told people that there was this young beggar at, at the robot and I just wanted to, to, to give him a chance. So I lined up a couple of people at work who were going to be part of my support crew, if you want to call it that. Mm. So a few weeks later, I went and picked Tulani up and basically took him to, to work and introduced him to everybody. And yeah, that's where it started. Wow. And Kolani, to know that, um, you know, this man believed in you. 
He had got a whole lot of people together. You were starting a job, and yet you knew that you had lied to him. You knew that it wasn't the truth. So you were coming into the space, this environment where people kind of had faith in you, and you didn't really have faith in yourself because it wasn't honest what, what, what you had told them, but it was based on survival, really. What, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind? I, I started to trust him because the first time I trust him, he gave me the job beside the ID. Yeah. And now I trust him, uh, Father, I have this big problem. I wish to leave these drugs. Because on that time I... So you came clean, you came and you were honest, you then told him. Yes, because now I start to shavering. The nyaupe is nyaupe. Mm. You can't hide nyaupe. Yeah. Yeah, now I feel now, because now I start to seek, maybe he take me to the hospital and hospital... They tell them, ah, this guy, they smoke the drugs. Yeah. It's better way to tell him myself. I tell him, Father, now, please help me to rehab. What did he say? Ah, it's just no, no problem. He called someone, take this boy to rehab. I, I, you know, Han, I've, I've, I've got to keep going back to you, you know, this, this trust, this guy. You know, I started off the show and I spoke about can and can't. And I was talking about Kolani because we're going to get to the incredible things that Kolani has done in the can and can't. But even the can and can't in these these situations can reach out to someone, can't. Can't because it could be dangerous. Can't because there are too many obstacles. Can't be the human being who connects because. But for you, it wasn't an option. They were just the cans, the connections, the, the, the help that you were prepared to extend. I mean, at, at, at the time... I saw nothing more in the potential of of this of as a human of, being. of than I saw nothing nothing more than the opportunity to help somebody. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about what I could lose because I, to me, there was nothing that I could lose. Uh. You know, if this was going to go up in flames and um, well, then I'd lost a little bit of time. Yeah, but I knew that if if it did work out, then I would have changed somebody's life. Mm. You know, so if I looked at what I had to to lose. I mean, I had nothing to gain, which is fine. We don't have to go through life and always just look for opportunities in which we can gain. Mm. So I had nothing to gain other than maybe the the joy of, of actually knowing that I've assisted somebody. Mm. Um, I had nothing to lose, maybe a few hours of my life, which is worth nothing in any case. Mm. But I knew Zolani had so much to gain. Mm. And and the prospect of getting involved in somebody's life at at very little cost to myself and at the same time, making such a fundamental difference in his life, it's it's actually quite an exciting prospect to know that that a small sacrifice on your side can make such a big difference. Mm. You know, I've I've learned and taught myself to to realize that the cost of a hundred rand in my pocket is very different to the value of the hundred rand to somebody else, mm. and similarly, the the cost of an hour of my time is very different to the value of that hour in somebody else's life. Mm. And the sacrifices that I had to make, I mean, I didn't even think of those as, as sacrifices. Mm. Um, yet I knew by, by giving a little bit, it, it would change somebody's life. Yeah. And, 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 and the thought that whatever your gesture was, was, was literally life changing to somebody mm. is, is just, it, it's a privilege to be in a position to to give lit, give a little of yourself and and actually in the process can change your life. 
And, and, that, and that's all that words. I saw. Oh, hi. You know, we all have that. You know, we kind of have that opportunity throughout our day, throughout our lives. That's what life is, right? We, it's, we're giving the opportunities to... To help others, it's an incredible thing. There are opportunities. It's wonderful to see what happens when, when you do that. Kolani, you took yourself off drugs. You weaned yourself off. Am I, well, it's not even weaned off. Am I right? For three days, you went through hell. You did yeah. it on your own. Yeah, because we're going in social workers. Social workers is just staying a long process of them. Yeah, I can't blame this process. But I tell myself, okay, when you say I'm supposed to wait maybe 15 days what did i do now because i want to leave the drug you want to do it now sure. yeah so if you say next week maybe next week i change my mind yeah but Very i true. end up i tell i tell myself ah let me leaving but even father i tell me every time be strong when it's difficult and i'm shivering i'm suffering i'm going to his office he's, i said hey, i wish to sleep he said ah, sit down and sleep just sleep i said i feel Cold now. He just opened the heater for me. The fan. Is this what you went through? Oh, yeah, no. it's wow. a, it's the shivering of now. If I said I I'm feeling hot, open the fan. Cold. For you. It's like it's that drug. But after three days, did you yeah. take anything to help you? Is there anything that you can take? No. To, to, to diminish all of these symptoms or reduce them in milk stout and vodka. It's, it's a vodka. <laughs> milk stout and vodka. I drink too much on that time. I take out with the alcohol. And how long did it take for it to just move out of your system? Yeah, it's a hard three days and uh, oh, three ten days, days eh? ten days uh, actually. Ten. But uh, we have uh, three days that's so hard. Is it? Yeah, three days is so hard. Hein, and for you to see him go through that, that must have been tough, huh? Hey? It was tough, but I mean, I had so much respect for, for, for what he was doing. Mm. And um, we just kept on reminding him that it was worth it, worth it, worth it. You know, and I've got this view, you can you can always survive the next minute. So survive the next the minute. The next minute. Moment, and, and, moment, And moment. then you survive the next minute. Yeah. And the next minute. Yeah. And the next minute. And if you keep on surviving the next minute, and we can always survive the next minute, well, survive the next minute. Mm. And... The moment you open your eyes, you 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 actually at the, at the finishing line. Yeah. Just because you you took it minute by minute and mm. and you used the strength that you had. Mm. <laughs> Great lesson for life, Kalani. You must have learned a lot about yourself in those ten days. How deep you had to dig, mm. and how much you could achieve, what you were capable of doing. Right? I mean, that must have just opened up for you. Like, wow, there's so much there for me to do now. I can achieve so much. So let me ask you, so then you got your prosthetic leg. Mm. And um, Hein took you along. You had this leg fitted. Yes. And for the first time in how long, you could actually just stand mm. up without it's, without cl- crutches. It's more than 10 years. Just oh. uh, as uh, My father used to tell me, Kolani, sometimes you said you lose the leg. You don't lose the leg, you lose your hand. Because now I end up, I carry the cappuccino yes, now. So true. I carry everything. I don't use. Hey, it's a long time, more than ten years. But now, yeah. You've got your hands back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gee, that's incredible. So you got the prosthetic leg, mm. but also you were drinking, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, As you see, drugs finished. Yeah. Alcohol stepped in. And yeah, and and how did you react, Han, when you found <laughs> out that he'd replaced the one with the other? 
the first time that I saw him drinking was was actually quite a radical experience. I I took all my staff down to go and watch the Comrades Marathon in 2016. Yeah. So that was about two weeks after Zolani was fitted with his leg. And the vibe at work was just so incredible. I mean, it was for five, six weeks, the five, six weeks in which Zolani was there, everybody just stepped up. I mean, he had so many supporters mm. and so many people who encouraged him and so many people who just showed a humanity that I'd, I'd never seen before in, 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 in them. And um, I then decided, well, I'll spoil my staff and take them down to the comrades as a little team-building exercise. Mm. And But before we went down, I made it clear to everybody that it was a dry weekend, no alcohol. You know, most we were about 30 people who went down, of whom many had never slept in a hotel. Very few of them had ever flown in an aeroplane or seen the sea. Yeah. Or being at the comrades. Wow. So we didn't need alcohol to, yeah. to, to, to add to the weekend. So the Saturday night in, in the hotel, somebody came to me and told me that Solani had been drinking. So I kind of dragged him out and had reprimanded him and reminded him at the time that I would take his leg away if, if, if ever he was, he was naughty again. Mm. And that was my threat when I, when I bought him his leg, which was two weeks earlier, I told him he had to realize that was my leg. And I was merely lending it to him. Okay. But if ever he overstepped some line, oh, okay. I would take my leg back. Yeah. So I knew he was drinking, and then uh, he then promised he would stop. And an hour later, somebody came back again and said, but wow, Zolani's out of control. And I went to his hotel room, and he was drunk. He yeah. was just drunk. And I, I confronted him, and he was surrounded by a dozen colleagues who were incredibly angry at him at the time. For firstly for drinking and then for being cheeky with me, etc. Mm. And but I, I I then realized Solani had a serious drinking problem. Mm. So that that was the Sunday after Saturday night when we got back to work. I called my little Zolani support group together again and I said, "So what are we going to do now?" And when the first girl told me, she said, "I'm scared of this guy." And that was all I had to hear. She said, I'm scared of this guy. She said, he's been in jail. He knows every trick in the book. He's smart. He's a good manipulator. Um, he's got a, his friends are all a bunch of criminals. She said, I'm, I'm scared of this guy. And when she said that, I knew he couldn't work for us anymore because I wasn't going to ask my staff to share space with an individual of whom they were scared. Mm. So I called Zolani in and said, sorry, but he could no longer work for, for us, but I would, um, train him to become a hawker He worked for a company that sold perfume And I said I'll, I'll turn you into a hawker And you'll start making your money As a, as a hawker right now Selling our products But sorry you can't, you can't work here anymore And that was it That was a Monday morning And sure. he, Tough luck, he eh? hit, hit the road And wow. had, had to become a, a perfume hawker For a, for a while Wow what a story. There's a book. There's a book. There's a movie, Kolani. You'll star in your own movie. Let's take a break. We, we'll be back with you in a moment. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back. A fascinating story um, on the show today. Kolani Luvuno, our cancer warrior, Hein Fenter, his dad. I love that you call him his dad, an agent and supporter and everything else. So, Kalani, you, you heard Hein talk about people saying that they were scared of you. Um, and you're listening to this because this is your story. 
um, and I look at you where you are now and what you're doing, it must be, is it difficult for you to hear that? And do you see that Kolani is a different person? Um, and, and, uh, how do you feel about that, that Kolani and the Kolani you are now? Or are you still connected? <laughs> With that people, they're afraid of me. Uh, how did uh, that feel? Ah, no, that I, I stand with them now. It's them, they motivate me with yeah. many things. Yeah. Now they didn't afraid me. Yeah. Now but at they the time, and when you're hearing that they were afraid? Yeah, I know, understand. You I understand. just understand because yeah. I know where did I come from. I know most of them, they didn't know where did I come yeah. from. They're supposed to afraid of me. Mm. You like, need to hear ladies. that. Yeah. Yes, because the smart ladies, yeah. I know myself and I know when I talk to them, yeah, on that time I talk raw, rough. Yeah. I don't talk like a gentleman. Uh, so sure. now when they Im- imagine, hey, this guy, how did he come at Eastern Cape to here? Yeah. Yeah, this one is so dangerous. Uh, yeah, I understand that situation. Mm-hmm. Even me, if I'm, I'm that ladies, I supposed to afraid. Yeah. Someone come at prison, someone who sleep in the, in the street with one leg, them, yeah. they will never sleep on the street. Yeah. But me, I changed many streets. Mm. Sure. Sahan, he was gone. Or was he? He was gone for two weeks, uh-huh. but I, I told him I'm not chasing him away. I just said, I will support you still. I want you to, to, to flourish in life. Um, but I, I told him at the time, you, you simply can't work here. Zulani came back two weeks later. Um, it was a Monday morning again. And when I rocked up at work, Zulani was there and he said, Father, can I sp- please speak to you? And he, I went up to, we went up to my office and he asked me whether he could have his job back. And he told me that I, I didn't have to pay him. He just wanted to be there. Hmm. I think one of the smartest things, and it wasn't just on one occasion that, that Solani did, was he humbled himself in the presence of the people that he knew who could help him. Sure. Okay. Hmm. Um, he humbled himself when he came to me within two days. Um, and, and trusted me with the fact that he had a drug addiction. Mm. It must have taken a lot of courage for him to, to, to be honest mm-hmm. and to go to somebody who he saw in a, a position of power, the person who could fire him for that matter. Mm. Must have taken a lot of courage for him to have come to that person, but he also sussed me out and knew that as much as would I'm the guy who could chase him away, there I was, was a lot to lose. There was a lot to sure. lose, but he also looked at this thing and he said, but, but if this guy is, is kind enough to give me a job, I'm sure he'll be kind enough to sort, support me through rehab. Mm-hmm. And it must have taken a lot of courage of him yeah. within two days. I mean, in two days, you don't establish a huge relationship yet. But within two days, he came to me and, and, and trusted me with the fact that he was a drug addict, which, which is, is quite radical in, in, in our society. Similarly, um, when he came back to me after two weeks and he came to me and said, Father, um, I need to be here. And that if the fact that he realized that the people, and it wasn't just me, there were a lot of other people at work who, who, who invested a lot of time in, in, in Zulani's development and on a daily basis would sit with him and, um, and he realized he, he, he needed those people. Um, and that made the difference. I mean, I called my staff in or my little support group and I said, you know, Zulani is back and Zulani's asked for his job back. And I shared my opinion then. I said, you know, if, if we're not going to give Zulani another chance, he will go back to drugs. 
And if he goes back to drugs somewhere along the line, he will lose his prosthetic leg. He must probably sell it for flipping drugs. Um, and I'll say Zolani will end up on the streets again if, if we don't take him back. And my view was we, we needed to do that, which is then what we did. Yeah, and it's been a, almost a fairy tale ever since. Whenever you, as you, as you're sharing the story, I'm just thinking about all the lessons. So, you know, Kolani, you're teaching that Hein the lesson, Hein's teaching you the lesson. It's this, it's this effort, this interchanging of connection and learning because just by going to your staff and saying, let's give him a second chance, they had to dig deep and find something that they would go, right, we're prepared, we're prepared to trust the process. We're putting our fear or our, our ideas about how we think it may turn out aside and we're going to. So it was such a stretching for everybody. What a phenomenal, wonderful story. I I told Zolani we'd give him a second chance, but the very same Staff who were scared of him and who were quite frankly offended by him, he had to come and apologise to them. Sure. So he, he had to face all the staff. I wasn't sure. even there in that session. He had to apologise to twenty five, thirty people, and they ha- had the opportunity to read him the right act and wow. to say these are the terms and conditions, and this is how you, how you offended us, and this is how this this working environment works. And if you want to be one of us, this is how we expect you to to act. And I think it was just fair on everybody. It was fair on them to, yeah. to have the opportunity to speak their minds, to tell him what they wanted the boundaries to be. And I mean, everybody loves Zolani. Wonderful, but it, it, mature it, it, way it, to deal with it, life. Yeah, and Should everybody be like that in life, in every area of our yeah. life. Right? Yeah, and it, it was it was a beautiful. Moment of reconciliation. Yeah, wonderful. And, and everybody's moved on. So Kulani, you, you took the addiction, the drug addiction, then the alcoholism, and you turned it around and you put all that energy into running. You found a passion for running. And, and I mean, a whole another area of your life just opened up. I mean, when I think of a person who has one leg, I know you've got a, a prosthetic leg. Why on earth would you want to run? Isn't it so painful? Isn't it so difficult? I've got two legs and I find it so difficult. You know, we have a running club. The name is Sunburst Riders. Uh-huh. When I start to run, I run for father because I understand now. Maybe he end up tired of my things. Yes. He chased me away. Yeah. So, ah, easy way for me. Let me go and make five kilometers at Bag of Union building in that hills. So is that your running club? Sorry, Han, is that your? When we went down to the Comrades in, in 2016. Yes. Um, I've, I've run the Comrades many a time. Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm just such a huge fan of the Comrades. Right. And not just for the great race that it is, but, but what it does to people. It does to people to run it, but even just being spectators uh-huh. at, at, at the race. So I took everybody down. But I then dangled a couple of carrots in front of them. Yes. And I was hoping that I could convince one guy to get into running. So I, I gave them financial incentives to start running. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I said anybody who by the end of the year could run 10 k's, I'd pay 500 bucks. That's amazing. Anybody who by the end of the year could run 21, I'd pay 2,000 bucks. Anybody who could run a full marathon, 42 k's by the end of the next year, which is 2017, I'd pay 5,000 bucks. Wow. And I said anybody who could run the comrades by 2018, I'd pay 15,000 bucks. And, and I bought a <laughs> pair of running shoes for everybody. 
So Kalani so, did it, eh? So everybody, and everybody came back and they were just high on running. So within three months, the, everybody, every single person in the business ran the spa ladies race. So they ticked off 10 kilometers, including Zolani, except that he, he, ra- he ran on crutches and he did 5Ks. Three weeks later, everybody ran ha- a half a marathon. And all of them were non- previously non-runners. So then Zolani did his 10K. And then after, and then a couple of stars were born. Eh? There were a couple of guys who ran good half marathon Jesus. times. And I then asked, that I called all the staff together and I asked how many of them were interested in doing the comrades the next year. And half of the hands went up. That is amazing. So the next year, literally wow. half of my staff members ran the comrades ran marathon. The comrades. That is incredible, huh? And Zolani just tagged along, you know, so. Um, that was 2017. That was, uh, they ran 2017. Yeah. So we started the, we, we, we registered the club in January 2017. And, and everybody just ran. You know, they used to on Mondays, they would come to work and, and complain about bubble loss. Now they'd come to work on a Monday and complain about their stiff legs because of running. running. And it was just beautiful because uh, the running, running, running was just yeah. the, the hot topic that everybody uh, was, was discussing yeah. and, and Zolani was one of them. Yeah. So Kolani, I, I mean, cause you don't back down. I mean, we've seen this. You overcome these things. Now you've told that you can get all these amazing things from running. But again, as I said to you, isn't it tough running? With a prosthetic leg, do you do you run with your leg? I know you've got the crutches. How does it work? Crutches, crutches maybe because I walk a long time with uh-huh. the crutches. Yeah, uh-huh. now the leg I run, the leg I found the running blade, but I found the problem. My stump, they found a wound, so I supposed to go and cut the two centimeters. Yeah. So you still have to have that done. Yeah, they okay. done. Oh. They done. I make it one further last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. I make it. For the first years, Olori ran on crutches, and then he was sponsored a, a running blade. But about after about seven months with a blade, he started developing these really bad sores. Uh, oh, how and, uncomfortable. And he just couldn't recover from them. Oh. You know, he'd have the sore, then it would take three weeks to recover. And then he'd be on crutches for three weeks and then the wound would recover and he'd start running with his blade again and within two runs he'd have this wound again. So we basically gave up on running with the leg again. So that's when he was back, forced back onto his crutches, which is the beginning of, of 2018, which is then why he did the comments on crutches in, in 2018. The end of 2018 he had surgery to, to, um, to alter the, the, the stump. When he had his original amputation in, in 2008 or 9, the operation wasn't done properly. Okay. So they, they fixed that now in November 2018. But he had then set his sights on, on the Ironman. And we realized he had so much training to do to become swim fit and cycling fit that he wouldn't have time to become running fit on the blade as well. Mm. So the, the whole idea was to run until Comrades 2019 on crutches and then only after Comrades would he then do, the do away with the crutches and, and start trying to get his back with the blade get his, mm. his, his leg fit for the blade yes I mean just sitting here and you're just throwing in words like Comrades Marathon and then you're throwing in words like Iron Man it really is absolutely incredible Kulani. it's just you know as I said, I started the show and I said the can't and the can and the mindset. And that's why I really wanted to go into 
your story and how and you seeing the potential and and that you know life can throw us so many of the obstacles and there's no one who's going to be excluded we have the obstacles but that yes. you've just continually to push through that so I, i'm going to ask you uh, we're going to we're going to take a break but after the break, Olani, I want, I want to just ask you what, what is going through your mind? I mean, I know with the Ironman, you couldn't swim. You had to learn to swim. Yes. You know, you, and then not only did you learn to swim, you then said, how, how, what is, it's a 3.8 kilometer swim. A three in the sea. In the sea. Kolani, I have to ask the question, when you hear Hein talk about uh, people being afraid of you, how did that feel? Yes. You have now just completed the Iron Man. I mean, we it's heard of two on. people. Yeah, when we heard of I two people, yeah, like but four. dying in the, in the, in the sea, swimming, you so. had never swum before. Mm. You've become a swimmer and all of these things. And I said just before the break, how? You know, does, does, I can't ever enter your mind. I can't. I, I love my challenges. My challenges is not my enemies. I love to challenge myself and I don't love to sm- make a small things. I love that big things. Of, uh, even Aiming you higher and scary, higher. Uh-huh. You scare about them. So I love to challenge me to go there. That's what drives you. Yes. So before I talk about the fact that you've got to take that mindset and share it with so many people, I, I do want to, I don't want to go into a lot of controversy here, but there was a lot of controversy around this marathon now, the comrades now. And, and I, we were just saying off air with all the challenges that you had, um, Kolani, and even with the Iron Man as well is just missing the cutoff point because you'd, you injured yourself. You, yes. after getting out the sea, you tripped, you broke your hand in two places. I can't believe it. And then you cycled for a, what is it? 140 kilometers. 180. You are unbelievable. And you just missed the, the cutoff by something like five minutes. And then the comrades as well. All the obstacles, the people who are organizing and putting these obstacles in your way. And here you are and you're determined and you're going to move forward. What do you have to say to those kind of disappointments that you have when life, you get so far, you work so hard and then you've missed it by five minutes? What, what goes through your mind when that happens? Ah, just be strong when it's difficult. Life is difficult sometimes. Supposed to be strong. Ah. I know the cutoff. I supposed to push for the cutoff. Cutoff is a cutoff. Uh-huh. I can't blame. Maybe I found the accident. Maybe it's to stop too much and accident. But yeah, just to work hard. Well, th- what came to mind when I was reading your story was, and also with the comrades, is finishing the comrades, but not getting the medal. Are those? Is that what's important? Ah. Is it like what's important for you? Is it the medal or ah. is it what you're achieving? For me, it's not important. The medal of Comrade Marathon, uh, for me, it's nothing. Ah. Like, yeah, medal, it's medal, but I run, I don't run Comrade Marathon for medal. Yeah. Or I love to motivate each other. Mm. Many people, they tell me, Olan, if we, you can do it, even us, we're doing. It's many people, they tell me, we're doing Comrade Marathon because we saw you. So they just motivate me to, you know, when you're running inside that crowd of Comrade Marathon, yeah. it's so nice. Is it? It's just a spirit of mine. May I have that spirit? Mm. Now, when they take off my car early in the morning, I said I'm doing for myself. I used to train alone in the night. Mm. I think one of the most beautiful testimonies I got to the impact of, of, of that Solani has 
was when three days after the comrades, Bonkomusum Tembu, who's the guy who's won the comrades three times yeah. and who came second this year. And he was the hot favorite to, to win this year. Um, he acknowledged Solani. It was beautiful on SABC TV when he, he gave Solani the thumbs up when he ran past him. Yeah. But he sent him a message on Facebook. Yeah. And he has this guy who's this absolute legend in South African running. And he sent Solani a, a message on Facebook and he said, brother, you're our inspiration. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Incredible. So, so this whole story is just a beautiful, beautiful story. And there are people who, more and more people who have to hear your story so that they can, whatever life throws at them, they realize that they can. They can. Everything is a possibility. And Hein, you seeing the potential in Kolani again telling us we can. So what are you doing with this? Is, is Kolani going to go out and inspire other people? Absolutely. Um, what happened with Solani, nobody scripted it. Nobody ever thought it was going to happen. I mean, I was just helping a little beggar boy. Mm. You know, I always said I was, one day I was standing, I was feeding a beggar. And the next day I was standing in the, the shadow of a superstar. Mm. And we need to see not Solani's story, but the life messages mm. that, that, we can take from Zolani's story. You know, since Comrades last year, I think we've, we've spoken at almost 60 different occasions. Wow. From schools to sports clubs, in churches, at corporates, to, to drug addicts. And no matter who the person is, from what sphere of life, what age, their socioeconomic position, everybody can take a, a lesson from Zolani's, from Zolani's life story. And, and we, we are very keen to share the, the messages. We, we're not looking for more Zolani fans. And Zolani's got lots of fans, yeah. but, share but, the story. but it's about share sharing the, the life lessons. So how can people get hold of, um, Kalani and you? How, how do they book him? Yeah, the, well, they can f- find us on Facebook. Pop yeah. us, pop us a message on, on, on Facebook. Okay. And, um, yeah, on Facebook, what is it? Yeah, Zolani's profile is called Zolani Luvuno Amputee Athlete. Okay. And my own just Einfenter, if they want to uh, get hold of me directly, they can pop me a message there. But yeah, we love, we love sharing the Zolani message because we know people get empowered by it. Yes. And it's really, it's, it's such a privilege to know that with, a little bit of our time, um, we can make such a huge difference mm. in, in, in people's lives. And it's, it's, we, we are privileged to be able to do it. Guys, thank you so much. What a privilege having you, you both on the show today. What an inspiration. And uh, I look forward to just hearing more and more and more of your story inspiring you. so many people. Kalani, amazing. Thank the man who can. And, uh, you know, also you, Hein, the man who can. So thank you both for inspiring our audience today. It's been an absolute you, pleasure. Thank We're going to be introducing our next guest in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 Hi FM, thank you so much for staying with us. Such inspiring stories um, on uh, the DL Link show. And, you know, we spoke a while ago about um, the incredible re- center that uh, is being 
um, rebuilt um, here for the DL Link. And I'll never forget when Michelle had this dream about having their own center for the DL Link. And, you know, when Michelle makes a wish and when she has an idea that she wants to do something, she ensures that she realizes that dream. But Michelle is so reliant on people in the community, people like you and you and you. And the amazing thing is this community continues to rise to the occasion. So our next guest is one who really made it possible for Michelle to realize a dream to buy the house. We're going to be turning it into this incredible center. So I'd, I'd like to welcome um, Steve Lips um, from 361 Asset Management um, onto the show. Steve, lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Nikki. Good to be here. Just incredible. Like you, you, you'd never had you met Michelle beforehand before she actually approached you. No, I hadn't. I mean, what interaction had you had with her before before that phone call? So uh, the f- the first phone call was the first interaction. Wow! And we started doing some work with DL Inc. before meeting Michelle, and then I had an initial meeting with Michelle. I actually contacted her and said, you know, I've heard a little bit about you and a little bit about the DL Inc. and I think that we should meet. And she came to my office and we met. And as you say, once you've met Michelle, things change. <laughs> things change. And for you to, because she came to you and she said, we need someone um, to, in their personal capacity, um, ensure that the bond would be paid. I mean, that's basically what you did in your personal capacity. You, no. Is that uh, how, not how well, it Well, when Michelle and I first met, that was uh, a number of years ago. That was in 2015. So at that stage, it was still to give traditional, I guess, financial support to the DL Link. It was only later, as you know, that Michelle needed uh, the surety for the new building. So it was based on the relationship that Michelle and I already had that she but thought still, she could approach me But still, that. you know, incredible in your personal capacity that you, you made the decision to do that. Why? I think to, to, to help Michelle and to help the DL Inc. achieve their dream yeah. and for them to continue doing the work that they do. It's amazing work that they do in the community. It's a gap in the community. No one else does what they do. Mm. And I think it's a vital role that they fulfill. Mm. So in order for them to continue fulfilling that role and to grow in that role, uh, they need the center. Steve, it must be challenging for you being in the position that you're in within the community. You've probably asked many times to help. Um, and I'm not going to go into that because that's your private space as well. But how do you make the decision? You can't give to everyone. So that, you know, that's you know, the connection with Michelle and knowing what she's doing. But how, how, how do you decide? In my personal capacity or as a business? Well, both. Both. I think, I think it's about focus. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's easier to just give than to be involved. To be involved takes time. Mm. And time is limited, mm. as, of course, are financial resources. Mm. And unfortunately, the needs in the community are great. Yeah. And there are a lot of people and a lot of organizations, especially at the moment, that do need a lot. Yeah. So as a business, we're fairly focused in what we do. We focus on specific needs, specific requirements. Unfortunately, we're not able to, f- to fulfill them all. So we do what we can with the level of focus. Hmm. So your business is, what, 15 years old? How many? We. This is our 15th year in business. Fantastic. So our actual birthday is uh, at the end of this year. Happy, happy birthday. Thanks, thanks. And what, what exactly do you guys do? We're an asset management company. Mm-hmm. We manage unit trusts and hedge funds mm-hmm. for a range of clients. Those clients may be individuals, institutions. They may be based in South Africa. They may be based offshore. So essentially, we manage people's money in our structures, being unit trusts or hedge funds. 
But you keep it small and intimate. We do. We want to be small enough to be flexible in the market, to be nimble. Uh, I think the big institutions have a real challenge. The South African market is not that big. And although we now invest up to 25 or 30% of our money offshore, our focus is still on the South African equity market. Incredible. So your, your partner, Sai, um, as you know, so you, you're doing incredibly well. You're keeping it small. So when you are approached, um, as an organization to get involved, is it, this is a decision that you both make? Uh, are you, are you always on board? Are you always, uh, on the same side? We, we think the same. Yeah. So, uh, we have not had any disagreements <laughs> about it in the past. Oh, fantastic. So we, the way forward with the, the deal link and the center, you've seen the plans. Um, we, we, we've been looking at those plans. I think they're shifting and they're changing all the time. What are your thoughts? Do you, do you see this as, um, really like a blueprint for many centers opening up in Joburg, the rest of South Africa, starting something very unique in, in our country? I do think so. Uh, as we've seen, the plans are very exciting. A great team on board, great great architect, uh, great thinking by Michelle and the team and what they want to do and how they want to use it and customize it to their particular needs. Mm. And once they start, I think that uh, things will really get going from then. The excitement will build. And I'm looking forward to seeing it seeing it uh, to to its end mm. and seeing the finished product and knowing what a what a great role you played in the process <laughs> not that that's why you did it yeah. but i mean yeah. really to to have the vision and to know that it's going to turn into something so big and have such a positive impact and i really believe it is going to be the beginning of many centers please god in all areas around south africa mm. steve thank you so much Thanks, thank you Nikki. for joining us thank you for coming onto the show thank you for being a visionary um for putting everything behind that for your continuing support it is so appreciated so Thanks, that Nikki. they can continue to do what they do Thanks lovely having, having you on the show Thanks thank you so much Thanks. um steve lips on um 101.9 high fm on the dr link show um 361 asset management um we're going to take a break and uh, yeah we'll be back don't go anywhere high fm your station of choice since 2008 and I'd like to introduce our next guest, um, Dr. Yamesh Ramgathi, who is an orthopedic consultant uh, with a special interest in pediatric orthopedic surgery. Uh, Dr. Ramgathi, welcome to the show. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So we've been listening to such an inspiring story of Kolani, who unfortunately lost his leg because of cancer, um, and then many years later had a prosthetic limb attached. Perhaps you can just talk to that, um, doctor, what it, what it is. Also, because we know that he had complications later on um, when he was going to be using a blade with lots of sores, and then he was going to have another operation. So just in terms of, of a prosthetic limb um, and and using it especially for running marathons what, what, what is what is really the procedure that's involved so it, it depends on your level of your amputation that you have you know whether you have an amputation below your knee level or through the knee level or above the knee level that determines how well you function after the uh, amputation and also then it depends, the better you know, amputation is always below the knee. So if you have a preserved knee joint, that gives you much better function compared to having through knee or above the knee, uh, which is much higher demand in terms of uh, stimulating a knee in, in your prosthesis. Hmm. So those are the main things that we're looking to 
in looking at the outcome after an amputation and how you perform. I hear you. And is there a difference if you are getting a, a, a prosthetic limb um, in terms of using it for that kind of um, marathon running or normal use? Would you would you be looking at a different kind of uh, prosthetic? Yeah, I think you would definitely be looking at a different type of prosthetic. So obviously for your long distance running, you you a completely different prosthetic because of your like the blades that you see for the short distance runners that they use, mm-hmm. you probably have to adapt it a bit differently. I won't be able to give you much more detail in terms of the specifications on that. Right. But you're not going to use the same thing because you don't require the same uh, strides as a short distance runner compared to a long distance runner. I know this sounds like a very simple question, and unfortunately, I never had the chance to um, ask Kolani. But how does a prosthetic limb work? So let's let's look at a, a leg, for example. Um, when you're just normally when you're walking, so you've got this you've got this limb attached. Um, how 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 is it made so that it actually takes an automatic step? What is is there a, a way of using the limb? Is it just taking the step and hoping that the it, getting used to it? You, do, do you get the I hope you understand my question. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's an easy question. It's quite a difficult question in terms of how that actually works. Yeah. And it's quite complex. And, you know, it depends on, obviously, the level, as you said, the level of the amputation and then, the you know, the muscle functioning around that limb as well. Right. You know, taking in consideration that everything is done sort of perfectly, the level of the amputation and the prosthetic limb. You know, if you have a limb that's, a prosthetic limb that's too short or too long, it obviously has an impact on how you would walk. Uh, so it's a balance of getting an adequate length of the prosthesis and then the muscle function as well. Because you have patients with uh, good prosthesis, but they might have a contracture around the knee, meaning they're unable to straighten the knee fully and the muscle power of their hamstrings and the quadriceps are not great. Oh, and that also doesn't allow them to function normally. So you require a good balance. It becomes difficult the older you are to get into sort of uh, development good rhythm for walking but in kids it's much easier they naturally come into getting their walking with the prosthesis uh, the adults takes a lot of time because you know you do build up your muscle power your muscle bulk takes a long time as well hmm. and those factors that play a role Absolutely fascinating. I have so much respect for doctors who help people with these uh, prosthetics and, of course, for the patients and, and moving forward. And, you know, with uh, Kolani, just isn't it incredible that, um, you know, the blade unfortunately wasn't working because of these sores and um, with the other um, prosthetic limb, how he was able to run a comrade marathon to get involved in an Ironman. I mean, it's just it's extraordinary yeah. and it just opens up so many. Any possibilities? Yeah, I think just the determination as well. You know, the the power set, the mindset of the patient as well yeah. is a huge impact. Yeah. If the patients are motivated, they you know can achieve. We see patients with you know very minimal prosthesis in terms of hinges and more expensive parts for them to do very well because they more they have a positive outcome and motivated that they want to walk mm. and function normally. Mm.
uh, that also has a huge impact. Yeah, we hear it time and time again, the important role that mindset plays in really every aspect of our lives. So I'm going to actually end it there because I think it's a very powerful message. Uh, Dr. Yamesh Ramgathi, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been lovely having you on the show. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Penny. Thank you. Bye-bye.